Thank you very much for that. Take your Bible tonight, please, and open up to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Would you do that? Matthew, chapter 6. I'd like to uh, talk about the secret furnace of the prayer closet. Every month this year, I've tried to bring uh, another message on the subject of prayer designed to uh, help and to build and strengthen and to equip us to be able to be better prayer warriors. I know that there are people, many of them, who are not so much interested in prayer. Uh, It's to them more or less a routine, a ritual that they would do, say, before they'd have a meal, they'd bow their head and they'd say, Anno Domini, Ipso Facto. No, they wouldn't say that. They would uh, say, oh, thank you for the food. Uh, Amen. And that's about the extent of their prayer. Uh, It's sad, but um, Christians don't realize the power, the absolute power, the unbelievable power that comes into play when they pray properly, when they go to Almighty God. Uh, The power of God is beyond our comprehension. The wisdom of God is beyond anything that we'll understand. And this can flow through us. Now listen, I'm not saying these crazy uh, ideas and wild-eyed things, but I'm saying in everyday practical living, we can live above the, the crowd. We can, um, we can uh, mount up with wings as eagles, as they say. And eagles are amazing things. Out here, we see a lot of them, uh, eagles, those bald eagles. And uh, they take a few flaps with their wings, and then they catch the air currents, and then they just make use of the existing air currents, and that's how they rise so high. And they can go way up a mile or more. And with their keen eyesight, look for uh, you know little rodents and prey and so on. And then they do that... 60 mile an hour dives and they whoosh, catch things and they'll catch fish out of the water as well. They're amazing hunters. Uh, they're amazing creatures and God has used them to uh, illustrate that we too can mount up with wings. Say, how do we do that? They that wait upon the Lord. You see, we shall mount up with wings as eagles. That's his promise. Now, the problem is that we're not waiting upon the Lord. We run ahead of him or we don't even go into the prayer closet at all. Uh, For many uh, believers, they seem to reach a certain level and it's not too much off the ground. And sometimes they bumpity bump and skid on the ground and so to speak. And they say this is as good as it gets. It's not. Consider your Christian life tonight. Are you satisfied with it? Do you want to see it go higher? Now we talk about uh, living a holy life. And some people have the idea that uh, because they don't have any major struggles with sin, that they must be living a holy life. That is not true. I'll tell you, there are a lot of people, a lot of Christians even, that have some some heavy-duty struggles with things of the world, uh, with attitudes and anger and lusts and greeds and things like that, things that are just common to the world. You see, they got saved out of that, but uh, a lot of those bad habits and desires came with them. And so they've been trying to struggle with those and suppress them. They feel often like failures and they feel guilty and they don't want anyone to see, of course, what they're struggling with. And uh, that's all fine. But uh, when does the power come? When do the answers come? When does the ability to rise above these things happen? Now, that's what uh, the power of God in the prayer closet is all about. Living a holy life is not evidenced by whether, uh, you know, well, I see I haven't robbed any banks, don't feel any great desire to go get drunk. I must be living a holy life. That's not a telltale at all. That's not, that's not anything. I'll tell you what a telltale is. 
Do you really hunger and thirst after God more than ever before? That's an evidence of holiness. If you really want to know a good telltale, that's what you look for. Am I thirsting after God today? When was the last time that I hungered and thirsted? When was the last time my heart just panted after the Lord? That's an evidence of holiness. You see? Well, tonight we're going to look at one of the secrets of the prayer closet. And believe me, if you put this into practice, you will get results. I can guarantee it. I'll try and give some practical uh, thoughts uh, as we get through the message. But let's begin with prayer. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Our dear Heavenly Father, we tremble to enter into your presence, Lord, and ask you for, for this special favor, this special grace and mercy, this special gift. And that's to create in us, Lord, a hunger, a longing and desire for a life that's better than the one we're living. We ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would speak with us tonight and show us our need, our desperate need of you, Lord. May we never, ever become complacent and willing just to go with the status quo. We're losers if that happens. Lord, help us always to be hungering after you and wanting more of you and learning more of you. That should be the normal Christian life. Help us to achieve it. And I know you can, Lord, if we'll wait upon you. And so bless, we pray as we study tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe that the Christian prayer closet holds many special secrets, many, plural. And if we'll uh, get alone with God, if we'll pay the cost, if we'll make the time, we will uh, cash in on these. Many sincere Christians I know go forward on church invitations after the preaching and they pray earnestly to God to help them and give them victory and uh, give them wings as eagles and yet they still continually struggle. Why is that? Here's the answer that I believe is the answer. It's because that we haven't yet realized that the power of God is found only in the prayer closet. And I don't mean going in once a year. I mean spending time with God in the prayer closet. Now, for those who are not sure what a prayer closet is, that's why I asked you to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. And if you would find verse 6, I would ask your help tonight as we read this verse out together. You can keep your seats. Let's read Matthew 6, 6 together. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now, the prayer closet refers to a time alone, away from the world, away from people, away from distractions, you and God together, one-on-one. That's the idea of a prayer closet. If uh, you want to use the closet in your home, be my guest. Uh, In my home, I have a a room that I use downstairs for, it's a bit of a multifunction room. It's a small, what it was, was a bedroom. It was a small bedroom at one time. I've taken that over. That has become among other things, my prayer closet. And so I get up in the morning and I get my Bible and I uh, get my other little book on prayer promises and I go down in there. And it's there I meet with God. And uh, I know that if you do it right, that time zips by. A lot of Christians, when they think, well, pray for 15 minutes. Oh man, I've tried it. And after two minutes, I run dry. I mean, I don't know what to say. What do I do after two minutes? I just kind of sit there in silence. What do I do? 
And if you do it right, you'll find that 15 minutes is not enough time. You'll find that as you're into the presence of God, that the Spirit of God is like renewing your soul. You'll find this, this tremendous uh, closeness with God if we do it right. Now, God invites us. That's the idea here. God invites us to meet Him in the prayer closet. God is calling every one of us here tonight. He's calling me and He's calling you to meet with Him in the prayer closet. Now, of course, the decision is ours, isn't it? I know there are some people that give every excuse possible because they don't understand it. They don't understand the benefits. And so they offer up excuses. And they say, well, Lord, I'd really like to, but I'm a busy man. And I got places to go and things to do. And I got a job that requires a lot of my attention. And I just don't have time. Did you know that Christians have been saying that for hundreds of years? That they just don't have time? I mean, I've read stories uh, uh, in, in Christian books dating back to the 1600s. And Christians back then in the 1600s. Now we're talking 400 years. Christians back then were using the same excuses as Christians use today. I don't have time. Others say, well, I'd like to, but I don't know how. And there's a few other excuses as well. But the bottom line is still the same. God invites us to meet him in the prayer closet. And if we will take the time and make the time, then he will reward us. Look at it again, please, in verse 6. At the end there, And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee. What's that word? Openly. You get alone with God, in secret with God. You meet with God. And then when you go out openly, God will reward you. Imagine that. Isn't that amazing? Well, I'm not looking for a reward, so I won't go in the prayer closet. Wow. You're going to break your heavenly father's heart. He's wanting to meet with you. If you're here tonight and you're born again, you're his son or his daughter. And I'm telling you, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. If you're here tonight and you're not born again, you're not his child. Does that that mean he doesn't love me? Oh, he loves you. But, he, but you're not his child. In my neighborhood where I live, there's a few children. I love children. In general, I love children. But I love my own better. You know what I'm saying? And if one of the children came to my front door, I, I, I would open the door, but I'm not sure I would let them into the house. But if it's one of my own, they have the key. They just come right on in. That's family. We talk of the family of God. If you're here tonight and you're born again into God's family, you're his son or daughter, and he wants to meet with you. He wants to meet with you. The question is, will you meet with him? And so God invites us to meet with him in the prayer closet, and then he promises he will reward us openly when we go out. Now, the rewards that God gives the praying Christian are more than you can imagine. Uh, I'll list you a couple of them here. Number one, he will give you supernatural comfort for times when your poor heart is overwhelmed, for times when you feel like a failure, for times when you feel like quitting or running away. He will give you supernatural comfort for those times. Number two, he will make you strong, strong so that you're able to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Because as a Christian, it's not always easy. Number three, he will grant you divine favor in the eyes of other people and he will make your works to prosper. 
He can do that and so much more. He wants to do so many things for us because his promise is, meet with me in secret and I will reward thee openly. Now, listen to this. It's only in the prayer closet that you will ever experience your greatest times of fellowship with God. One of the great blessings of trials and testings and persecutions and problems is that it drives us to God. A number of years ago in the 80s, I went through some of the most severe trials I've ever been through. And I wouldn't want to go through them again, I'll be honest with you. But I can tell you something. Some of my absolute best, heaven-like experiences with God were during those horrible, miserable times. I've told you the story I read about uh, a Christian missionary that was in China during the Mao Zedong uh, uh, regime and the communist purge. And uh, Christians were the enemy of the state. Communism had taken over in China. And so the uh, red soldiers, the Chinese soldiers had gone out and they had uh, uh, arrested many and um, shot and killed many uh, Christians and missionaries and so on. This one missionary was fleeing for his life. They were chasing him through the, the jungle and he didn't know what to do and he was terrified and he prayed and he had it come into his head, climb a tree. And so he did. The nearest tree he could find, he climbed up as high as he could and he literally shook like a leaf. Down below on the ground, the Chinese soldiers were going crazy looking for them. All any of them had to do at any moment was just to look up. And there he was, and bang, bang, and he was a dead man. Now, they, they didn't find him. They, no, no one looked up. And when it was night, he came down, and he managed to make an escape, and he got back to America. He gave his testimony in the pulpits of many churches, and he testified these words. He said, when I was up in that tree... And they were looking for me down there. All of a sudden, I had the most intimate closeness with God. I have never experienced in my life closeness with God like I did that day when they were hunting me, about to kill me. I had nowhere else to go. I had nothing to do. And I prayed. And up in that tree, I had the most incredible sense of peace and closeness with God that I've ever had. He said, I haven't experienced it quite the same after that. And then he said, you know, I'd give anything if I could just go back and be up that tree with God. That's the good testimony of troubles. If you're going through problems, let them drive you to God. But I'll say it again. You will only experience your best and closest times with God when you're alone with Him, snuggled in His arms in the prayer closet. I, Pastor, you speak as if a man can know God intimate, personal like that. You're absolutely right. That is the plan and will of Almighty God for whosoever will. Problem is, we don't look up enough. Problem is, we get our eyes down on the misery of this world and problems and things, and we look everywhere else for our answer, except where we ought to look. And God's promise is still the same today. Get alone with me in the prayer closet, and I will reward thee openly. Now, if your only motive is to get open rewards, I don't think it's going to work. 
But if your motive is to get close to God, then he will not only meet you, but he will add to you the rewards. Wow, I'll tell you something else. Intimate fellowship with God will generate even more blessings in your life. You say, what kind of blessings? I'll list a few for you. Number one, intimate fellowship with God will cause God to teach you his wisdom. You see, that's what he wants. He's a wise heavenly father. He loves us as his children. And he wants to impart to us wisdom. Just exactly the same uh, principle as a human parent loves their children, want their children to grow and learn their ABCs and one, two, threes and learn right from wrong. And boy, there's a lot of wickedness in the world. A good parent will do everything he or she can to prepare and train his or her child so that when they get a little older, they know what to say, they know what to do, they, they know what not to do, they know how to behave in life. That's good training. And our Heavenly Father wants to train us and give us wisdom so that we know His ways, so that we know the world's ways so we can stay away from it. So we have intimate wisdom to be able to choose not from, from bad or good, but we can choose between good, better, and best. God is able to impart such wisdom to us. Another advantage, another benefit is he will give answers to your questions. Yes, you will get answers as you're alone with God in the prayer closet. Number three, you will find yourself getting excited to meet with God in your prayer closet and to get more acquainted with him. You'll be able to, uh, you'll hardly wait until the next day so that you can get alone with God. Number four, in the quietness of your prayer closet, you will begin to hear hear the still small voice of God. God doesn't speak in these audible voices like some of the charismatics and some of the Pentecostals claim he does and the skies clouded over and this great big voice boomed at me and I was there and I, I heard it. All. God doesn't talk like that. He talks in a still small voice. You say, Pastor, how do you know? Because I've read the Bible. That's how I know. And that's what the Bible says. God speaks to us in that still small voice. God is not one to show some kind of big uh, show. He did that. Yes, he did that on Mount Sinai. I know that. He did that with Moses. You bring Moses back and you'll see that again. But often God does things once. They're one-offs. Look how many times he flooded the earth and built an ark. How many? One. How many times can you count that where men went into a, 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 a den of lions and came out the next day? One. How many times can you count where men were thrown into a fiery furnace and lived to tell about it? One. How many times can you uh, count where man was allowed to walk on the water? One. You get the idea? There's a lot of one-offs in the Bible. But God tells us he'll speak to us in a still small voice. And I can promise you that if you will take the time, make the time, sacrifice the time in the mornings to meet with your heavenly father, it won't take very long. You'll begin to hear that still small voice. It won't be an audible voice, but it'll be something like maybe you've never heard before. It'll be definite and it'll be to your heart and it'll always be the truth and the word of God. Number five, but you will quickly learn that sin and disobedience will make your ears deaf to the voice of God. 
you will quickly learn this, that the things of the world are calling you away from God and that sin and disobedience will kill off the wonderful experience you can have. It's like a, a young man and um, a woman here, they get married and they're, they have eyes for each other and they're on their honeymoon and they're, they're just looking at each other and they're so much in love. And then all of a sudden, maybe a pretty girl walks by and the man turns his head and starts looking at that girl. Well, what happens right away with their intimacy? It's broken, isn't it? All of a sudden now, they're not as close anymore. Right? You know what I'm saying? No? Yes? You get my drift here? Yeah. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the effect of that? Man is out with his wife for a beautiful dinner. And, uh, or maybe, listen to this, he wants to propose. Maybe they're dating. He wants to propose. And so he's got it all figured out, right? Guys do this sort of thing. He's got the candlelight dinner. He's got some flowers. He's got a ring in his pocket. And they're sitting at the table. And he opens this up and says, uh, will you marry me? And she's overwhelmed with joy. And she says, yes, I will. And he, he's so happy. And he puts that ring on her finger. And uh, uh, a pretty girl walks by. And all of a sudden he goes, oh. Wait right there. I got to go get her phone number. And off he goes. Can you imagine how that would break that moment? That beautiful intimacy would be broken. And when you and I get our eyes off of Jesus and onto the world, oh, look, there's the lotto ticket, wicked. I got to go and I got to buy some lotto tickets. You say, well, what's wrong with that? Because now you're no longer depending on your Heavenly Father to meet your needs. You don't need millions of dollars. You need. The, your daily bread for this day. That's what you need. You don't need wealth to last you many years. You need what you need for today. And you need your heavenly father to supply it. And that's faith. That's what pleases him. Imagine a child, your child, your son, your six-year-old son who looks up at you and says, Mom, I love you, but I don't know if I can trust you to meet my needs. And so there's a man across the street and, and, and his wife, and they've offered to be my surrogate parents to help meet my needs. I hope you'll understand this, Mom. Wouldn't that just break Mom's heart? Wouldn't Dad just throw a fit over my dead body, son? You're not leaving this house. You're not walking across that. We are your parents. We will look after you. Your Heavenly Father loves you. You're his child, his son, his daughter. And when you go and you get involved with the lotto business, what are you saying? You're saying, well, God, I, I love you, but I don't love you that much. I trust you, but I don't trust you that much. And, uh, hey, God, what if I win? I'll split the winnings with you, God. God's not interested in that. Not interested in that at all. Uh, listen, folks, what we need to do is we need to learn that sin and disobedience will kill the intimacy in the prayer closet. And therefore, listen to this. Your life outside the prayer closet must prepare you for your next visit to the prayer closet. Does that make any sense? So you're going to go meet with God tomorrow morning for half an hour, and then you're going to get out, and you're going to go on your day. Well, the rest of that day, if you were wise, you would use it to start preparing your heart for the next morning. I think that the principle is true with Sundays. You know, Sunday's a great day. I hope that Sunday's the highlight of your week. I hope you look forward to it. In fact, I hope on Monday you say, well, Sunday's coming. And I hope that when Thursday comes, you say just a couple more days and it's Sunday. 
and we can be with the Lord and we can be together. And I hope you start looking forward to Sunday. If you have the happy um, uh, uh, blessing of being a, a teacher of the Bible, uh, of a Bible study or Sunday school lesson or something, start Monday. Start Monday preparing for Sunday. The worst thing you can do if you're a teacher is wait till Saturday night. Okay, now let's see. Uh, I got a lesson to teach tomorrow morning. I, I better find my book and go through my lesson. Boy, that's a big mistake. You've lost about six good days. Start on Monday. Look at that book and be praying, Lord, please help me to teach this. Help me to just impart your truth to my students this coming Sunday. Start working toward it. Tomorrow, you meet with God. Then you leave your prayer closet and start thinking, okay, 24 hours, I'm going to meet with God again. And so you use that time to prepare yourself for your meeting with God. If you want to kill your meeting with God, all you got to do is just uh, watch the late show and the late, late show and the horror show and the early morning horror show and the mid morning at two o'clock in the morning horror show and then go to sleep and expect to get up and go and meet with God in the prayer closet. And it's not going to work. It's not going to work. We have to be very mindful of what we put in our eyes and our ears. A few young boys were arrested for break and entry, B and E they call it. And these were boys from good families. And so the police got them and uh, they, they questioned them, says, boys, you, you have good families. Your, your parents provide a good home, you have good income. You don't need to do this. Why are you doing this? Why? And, and the boys, they would say, uh, well, um, we, we, wanted to, we wanted some thrills. And so uh, what we would do is we'd uh, sit in a car for about an hour and we'd listen to the wildest music we can. The wildest beat and loudest music. And we'd listen to that for an hour. And after that, we could do anything. And that's what, how they did it. You've got to be very careful what goes in your eyes and what goes in your ears. And you've got to have the wisdom to know when to turn your head away or when to put your fingers in your ears or something. Because what goes in your eyes and what goes in your ears affects your heart. Affects your mind too. But boy, does it ever affect your heart. So if you want to have a good time with God, you've got to kind of prepare for that. Just like how a, a young man's going to go on a date, he's going to kind of prepare a little bit for that. And uh, then he's going to get the most out of it. Um, a couple who is going to go off for a picnic, uh, they have to prepare for that. And they got to get the basket and the food. Maybe they'll have a few games they'll put together so that when they get to where they're going, they can maximize their time together. And if you're going to have a maximum time with God, you've got to prepare for that a little bit. We'll try and help you with that tonight. Now, the secret of the prayer closet is what I want to talk about. It's the secret of holiness, or I call it the secret furnace of the prayer closet. It's the secret of holiness. Every Christian is personally called by God himself to live a life of godliness and holiness. If you're here and you're a Christian, you're saved and born again, God has called you to a holy life. First uh, Peter 1.16, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That's God's word to your heart. You say, well, does it apply to me? I mean, I'm under 18 years of age. Boy, does it ever apply to you. Do you realize that some of your biggest, strongest temptations are going to come in those early years? And what you do with your life in those early years is going to reflect the rest of your life. You can get yourself so scarred up with the things of the world that it's going to affect you for decades afterwards. And some things you may never be able to straighten out. 
There are a lot of young people, I believe, in the world, in many churches, in fact, that if given the opportunity, they would have a few words of advice for the children coming up after them. And they could advise them, hey, listen, I know you're 12. I know I'm 17. You're 12. I'm not that much older than you. I realize it. But listen, don't get involved with these things. Don't do this. Don't go there. When they invite you to do this, when they ask you to partake of this, don't do it. I've done it. And I'm suffering. There's a lot of 17-year-olds that could give a lot of good life advice to a lot of 12-year-olds. Interesting, isn't it? And so, be ye holy, for I am holy. Hebrews chapter 12 and 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, something I've found in the Bible, and maybe you've found this as well, is that God's holiness and fire often go together. And you've probably read numerous times, if you're a Bible reader, that when the sacrifices were laid upon the altar, it was the fire that would consume them and then make a sweet odor to God. Living a holy life is easier said than done. It's not so easy and many people give up. They feel they've, they've failed. What's the secret to living a holy life? I believe that the secret in holiness comes from the prayer closet. I think that that is our secret. Let me tell you about a man named William Longstaff. He's long since gone to heaven. He was a godly Christian man. And in the early 1880s, where he was at a, at a Christian meeting in Keswick, England, and there he listened to the words of Griffith John. He was a missionary to China. Griffith John quoted 1 Peter 1.16, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And then repeatedly in the message, he kept saying the words, Take time to be holy. Take time to be holy. Longstaff couldn't get those words out of his head. And he ended up writing the following hymn. Take time to be holy. Speak oft with thy Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word. Take time to be holy. The world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus, like him thou shalt be, thy friends in thy conduct his likeness shall see. Sin has a nasty way of binding our hands and feet with sinful thoughts and sinful habits. Now, you for sure know some of what you struggle with. God knows everything. We know some. But most of us would have to say, boy, you know, if I could push a button, if I could wave a magic wand, if I could say a prayer, I'd get rid of these thoughts. I'd get rid of this attitude. I wish that I had never heard these certain words because I can't get them out of my head. Sometimes isn't that what happens with these uh, music jingles and things? You get a song in your head and it goes around a few times. You enjoy it, but then you find you can't get it out of your head. Has that ever happened to you? A music or a song goes around and around. And then some people, they say, listen, after three days of that, I'm going out of my mind. I'm ready to jump off a bridge. There is an answer. It's called the prayer closet. And God is able to deal with that sort of thing. The prayer closet. Listen, sin has a nasty habit of binding us. But the prayer closet has a delightful habit of freeing us. And it will burn those bindings off our hands and feet. Consider the three Hebrew men that were bound and thrown alive into the burning fiery furnace. Consider what was the very first thing that happened to them after they got in the furnace. The fire burned off their bindings. 
That was the first thing that happened. You say, why did that happen? How could that happen? How is it that they were able to survive? Because there was a fourth man in the furnace with them. A fourth person, a divine person. And King Nebuchadnezzar looked and said, he looks like the Son of God. I don't think those three guys wanted to come out. I think that they were enjoying their time in the furnace. Man, look at this. Oh, this is a first. Wow, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. How are you feeling? And they were there with the Son of God. And I believe that was Jesus walking with them. And I believe that Jesus is able and wants to walk with us through every trial and tribulation. Now, the first thing that happened after they went in was the fire burned their bindings off because they were with God there. That fiery furnace almost became like a prayer closet, didn't it? Sin, listen, sin cannot survive in the prayer closet. Did you catch that? Any sin, whatever sin you're struggling with, whatever bad habit, whatever bad words, whatever bad pictures are in your brain, whatever bad thoughts, you go into the prayer closet and sin cannot survive the prayer closet. Not when God is there. Sin cannot survive in the presence of God. You can survive, but sin cannot survive. It has to die. It has to be burned up. Psalm 118 says, All nations compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They compassed me about, yea, they compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They compassed me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns, for in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. You just make the little application yourself. Instead of saying the nations, say the sins or the bad habits compass me about, but in the name of the Lord I will will destroy them. This is why any Christian, any Christian can attain a holy life. It is possible and it's closer than you think. Maybe you've just tried and tried for a long time and you've not attained. I'm telling you, it's only just one inch away from you. It's closer than you think. Don't give up. It's one of the many secrets of the prayer closet. Now, tomorrow morning, I suggest you set aside 30 minutes. Say, 30 minutes? Yes, 30 minutes. And if you've got to be out the door by uh, 7 o'clock, back up how much time, prep time you need. If you need half an hour to get yourself ready to be out the door by, by 7, get yourself up at 6. Whatever you need to do, but set aside 30 minutes tomorrow morning and meet with God in some sort of makeshift prayer closet. Say, I don't know, where can I build my prayer closet? Anywhere you can. Maybe it's at your bedside. Maybe you've got to close the door of your bedroom. Maybe there's a closet you've got to get into. Don't use the bathroom because there's a lineup of people that want to get in there. Don't use the bathroom as your prayer closet. When I was in Bible college, we had a bathroom and my roommate used it as his prayer closet. And I tell you, he may have gotten holy, but I got unholy. <laughs> he'd get up before me and he'd do this thing. And so I'm just telling you from personal experience, don't use the bathroom as your prayer closet. Okay, promise me that. You can go out into the car. You can go for a walk even. And you've got to get alone away from people so that you can be with God. That's what you want. Okay, what do you do? You open up your Bible to Psalm 19. Take your Bible right now and open it to Psalm 19. Let's go there together. I want to give you a wee bit of practical thought here on what you can do to meet with God. You see, what you have to do is you have to get into his word first. If your thought is just to uh, get up uh, a half hour early and then just run in the prayer closet and get on your knees and pray, you might last five minutes. But uh, chances are you'll fall back asleep. 
When you get up in the morning, make sure you're awake. Splash cold water on your face or something. Get into your prayer closet. Open up your Bible. Psalm 19 is a good one to start with. Psalm 19. Now look please at verse 7. I'm going to ask you to read out loud with me from verse 7 to verse 14. Okay, let's read out loud together. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Here you will have read about the purity and the beauty of God's word in verses 7 to 11. Here you will read of a prayer that you can make from verse 12 to verse 14. It's a prayer you can make to God and God will hear it. Now take your Bible and turn back to the first psalm. Psalm 1. You can use tomorrow morning in your prayer closet. Use them both. Psalm 19, Psalm 1. Please read Psalm 1. Are we having trouble with this microphone? Turn on the pulpit mic and turn this one off, would you please? We're having technical difficulties, folks. Psalm 1. All six verses. Read it out loud with me now, please. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper." The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And you will read here of the blessing of spending time alone with God and with his word. And you too will be like that tree planted by the rivers of water where your leaf doesn't wither and whatsoever you do shall prosper. And then what you do after you've read scripture is you get on your knees or get on your face and you pray. You say, but my knees might hurt. Then put down a folded towel. Oh, if I lay down on my face before God, uh, my, my elbows, my shoulders, my knees might hurt. Then you put down a, a, a little blanket or something or a cushion or something like that. But uh, don't let the pains keep you from the Lord. And you say, what do, what do I pray about? Here's four things. Number one, you confess to him your lack of holiness. You say, but I, I'm not sure that I have a lack of holiness. If you were said that, you do have a lack of holiness. Holiness and humility go together. 
Confess to him your lack of holiness and any other sin that may be in your life. Ask him for forgiveness. If you don't know if there's anything uh, wrong in your life, ask the Lord to show you. Then you confess your love to him. You worship him and you ask him to teach him how to love, how, how, teach you how to love him. Number three, you humbly ask for your needs and for the needs of those others around you. On Wednesday nights, we hand out prayer lists. That's why it's important that, that you come on Wednesday and get the prayer list so you can properly pray for the needs of people in the church. Number four, you finish your time in adoration and love and thanks and praise. And if you write these things down, you won't forget them. You'll be able to use them in the prayer closet tomorrow. Then what do you do then? You get up off your knees and you go about your day. And then the next morning, say it's Tuesday, you repeat the process. Only this time use Psalm 32 and Psalm 33. Use them in that order. And then you go about your day. The next day you get back in your prayer closet, you repeat the process and you use Psalm 38 and Psalm 34. Do it in that order. Maintain this for one week. Try it. I challenge you one week and you will notice an incredible difference in your personal holiness. You will notice an incredible new closeness with God that maybe you haven't felt in a long time. And chances are someone may notice the change in you. And then you'll have the happy joy of telling them it's because you're spending time alone with God. You will soon re experience many of the open rewards Matthew 6, 6, he will reward you openly. You will experience those soon, and God will be with you. You'll experience revival. You'll experience a hundred other blessings from God.